and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I'm going to act cool, like I've just got back from church. And I'm Gary, and today we're going to review and discuss Drugstore Cowboy, which released in 1989, based on the novel by James Fogel, written by Daniel Yost and Gus Van Sant, and directed by Gus Van Sant. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Matt Dillon's character, Bob Hughes, who's the leader of a crew of people stealing drugs from local drugstores. He admits he's a dope fiend, and him and his crew have been chasing the high for too long. Once faced with some real-life realities, he decides to completely give it up and change his ways. I was once a shameless full-time dope fiend. Yeah, me, Bob, the sweet mother's son. As I said, this was based on the on a, a novel by James Fogel, who mm. was uh, a, a, is <laughs> a long-time drug user and dealer who was in prison when he wrote the book. Wow! Um, but the book didn't actually get published until he was released from prison <laughs> yeah. after this film had been released. Oh wow! Okay. And, uh, and according to the the director, Gus Van Sant also said that after his you know success with the film and then the book's popularity, yeah, that dude went back to prison for dealing drugs again. So, <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe his characters in the book might learn the lessons, or in the film, rather. Yeah. But the real life is, yeah, if once you're a drug addict, odds are you're going to end up back there, and it's the cycle of the addiction, and this is another one of those films that very accurately depicts that kind of life. Yeah. And, you know, this is, like, very early on in Gus Van Sant's career as well. Yeah. Uh, I think this was, like, his second feature film. Uh, usually, or mostly, worked on documentaries and for, and small with very small film crews. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he like he, you know he often said like he usually had like a cameraman and a sound person and a light person. Yeah, that yeah. was it. When he came to this film, he said he's gone from a crew of like three people to sixty to seventy people. You know, and like coming like he's a guerrilla filmmaker. You know, he he'll see a shot and he's like, I need that shot. Yeah, but he's like, well, I can't. I've got. I've got my sound technician. I've got my, you know, assistant director. I've got my camera. Like, he, he, like, you can't just stop everything and go and take that shot. It's like a whole new professional setup. But this film, I think, especially, really just elevated Gus Van Sant and everyone attached to this project uh, into you know, like massive success. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never seen Drugstore Cowboy before. This is the very first time I'd ever seen it. But I'd always really heard about it. You know, when people talked about. Matt Dillon's acting career, Drugstore Cowboy was always up there. And funnily enough, I've seen a hell of a lot of Gus Van Sant movies, but I'll never remember them until either I see him and I'm like, do I know that guy? And then I look at his list and go, oh yeah, I've seen that, 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 that. You know, and it's funny how a lot of his films through me growing up, I've experienced and it's changed my view on, on film. Like, I remember seeing To Die For with Nicole Kidman at a, at a young age, maybe 13, 14. And that was very heavy into re, uh, reality TV, you know, her being a weather girl, and it's got Matt Dillon in it as well, which just kind of shone with that. I hadn't seen Drugstore at that point. You know, later on, you know, you and I would sit down, we'd watch Elephant, which is, you know, the film based on kind of like the Columbine shooting. That was difficult to watch while also kind of experiencing it on the TV. You know, and just seeing all these different films by this guy who, he's he's not the most successful director. Commercially. Yeah, yeah commercially. Yeah. Like, you, you know, people don't immediately go, oh yeah, Gus Van Sant, he's the greatest up there with Steven Spielberg. 
But the few films that you've seen of his, you go, man, this guy, like, like Gary says, sees a shot, grabs it, sticks it in his film, and you go, wow, that was really good. Yeah, he's definitely got his own artistic sort of um, way of, of illustrating or, or portraying, like, real life. Um, yeah. But um, he's also, you know, he's very... Uh, He's got even though he has like you know the Hollywood money or big money behind him. Mm. I'm gonna say not necessarily Hollywood Hollywood money because he still works in like the independent movie sphere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what gives his films a documentary esque feel, even though they're not documentaries. Yeah, you know. But if it, it makes his films have that gritty, raw, natural look to them in terms of like the lighting, yeah. the sound, um, and and the way his actors behave. It feels real. It doesn't feel like it's been mass produced. It, it feels kind of Scorsese. In a way. In, yeah. in a way, you know. But it's, well, like this opening shot where we've got, you know, we've got Bob just staring at the screen, Matt Dillon's face, and he's narrating. And so you, you don't immediately get it, but you kind of get the feeling you, this is coming to the end of the story. Uh, but it's for you. It's the start. And we we're in Portland, Oregon, 1971. Great time to set it in. I like it. It felt very up to up to date, except when I looked at their clothes and I kept reminding myself, "Oh yeah, this is the seventies. You know, there's a reason why all the drugstores they go in there has no security or cameras, and that's why it's so easy to break in. You know, they don't have mobile phones, and it was really refreshing to actually get that. Yeah, you know, to actually <laughs> knowing that this film is what eighty nine. You know, but at the same time, it's being set in seventy one, and I'm watching it in twenty twenty one, and it's just really eased me in we've got kelly lynch playing diane hughes and you just immediately know from matt damon's narration that their relationship as much as they love each other is solely based on getting drugs yeah she, you know he even says she was always just wanting to get high yeah it's the fact that they are that they they feed each other you mm. know they both feed each other's addiction for their shared passion of taking drugs and so they need each other because they help each other get there and i do like this intro i like the uh like the archive found footage yeah clips. yeah and uh you know apparently like gus van sant just went here matt Dillon, here's your camera here you go here's your camera here's your camera just all, all, the three of you off you go and film everything that you do today and and you it, know it's like while you're watching it it's like they've got this friendship yes and you believe it's the character's friendship but at the same time no it's the actors and actresses friendships of them bonding yes, over this yeah and, and it's what makes and it so, real it does and so you get this connection and this familiar bond with these characters so that when we go into the, our first drugstore yeah and we watch each one of them coming through the door <laughs> yeah like we're because we've seen them all together and then we see them all come through individually so you know what you know something's up yeah and of course it's all leading to this this robbery And of course, we see Magdalene jumping down behind the counter to start jimmying open the shelves and checking the bottles whilst his, you know, his colleagues are distracting everybody. That's it. We've got Heather Graham playing Nadine. Um, she is the rookie of the crew and she plays it so very well. Like she starts to have an epileptic fit in this drugstore to get everybody's attention. You've got the amazing James LaGrosse, ladies and gentlemen. He plays Rick. I mean, James LaGrosse... Not you might not know him, but if you've ever seen Phantasm Two, that's the guy, the guy from Phantasm Two, and him and Nadine, they've got this, they've got this relationship going on while Diane and Bob have one. But I, weirdly enough, where Diane and Bob's relationship was solely kind of based on their love for getting high and chasing, 
Nadine and Rick's is like they're together because it works. You know, they... Do they love each other? I don't think as well as Bob and Diane. Well, their relationship is very fresh and very new. Yeah. And as we find out when they get back after a successful like raid, they um she wants um a higher dose of drug. Yes. And she's been denied it either because she's too new, she's too young, too well, inexperienced. Well, he says to her like she's like she has half a pill and then she'll go and vomit because she gets too wasted where the rest of them obviously are injecting whatever they've got into yeah. themselves. So they are the more experienced. But yeah, at the same time, because she hasn't done as much. And I'm like, that girl was lying on the floor having an epileptic fit, you know. Um, I do like, I mean, it was, again, for like the, the time this film came out as well, like showing all of the preparations uh, of, of setting up and injecting the drug. Oh, man. It's like the film didn't shy away from like extreme close-ups of all of those things happening. And I was like, I was like, I can imagine this film being fairly controversial at the time. Yeah. They, they have a neighbor, um, David, come over and he's got some like real high quality speed that they want to sell. And Bob's really in. I didn't understand where Bob's mindset was at this moment. Maybe it was because he was fucking high on drugs. But it's, it's, the, it's the thought of him wanting to trade the drugs he's got for this speed to use the speed to make him then think up more plans to then go to another place to break in and get more drugs. And the whole time he's thinking that, Diane is like saying to him, like, let's just go and make love. Right. You know, let's just go and have sex. And he's like, oh, yeah, but I want to go and off and do this and do that. And so you already feel like the relationship is on a rocky slope. You know, she's not getting the attention that she wants or, or feels like she needs. But he thinks that it's better to go get the drugs so they're in a constant supply. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there is a... It's one of my favourite scenes in the film, actually. It's, it's uh, right here. And that's when when Nadine is suggests getting a dog. <laughs> her, her, and, her and Rick are just like, well, we'd like a dog to share between us. Because, like, you two, sometimes you go and do your own thing and we want a dog to have. And and this starts this entire, entire story. Yeah. Because cause Bob's looking at him like, why did you say that? Why would you... Ask me about getting a dog. He was like, it's one of the big no-nos. You need to know about these hexes. That's and, it. And then they're just like, but we just want a dog. And he's just like, no dogs. And he gets up and he starts turning the, the TV, TV channel. And every channel he flips the TV to has got a dog on it. Uh, <laughs> and then Bob huffs off. He's like, I'm not talking about it. And she tells the story of how they got this dog called Panda. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the, the police raided their house and Panda ran away. And then because the police somehow figured out it was their dog, Panda led the police right back to where they were and they all got arrested because of having a dog. So yeah. it's like, no dogs. And also, no hats on beds. <laughs> That's the worst hex. If you leave your hat on the bed and I see it, I'm gone. I'm out the door. If I ever see a hat on a bed in this house, man, like, you'll never see me again. I'm gone. That makes two of us. They'd had this whole police raid as well in their old apartment, um, led by James Remar playing Detective Gentry. And luckily, Diane had hidden the drugs. So they'd all decided to move. And then when they've gone to move, you know, they've asked about this dog, you know, and Nadine's just like, look, come on, Diane. Like, why can't we get a dog? And Diane's told him the story and telling them about the, the hat on the bed. That was, for me as well, is really pinnacle. The way that Matt Dillon fully is just like, if I see a hat on the bed, you're out. We're not having this. Because he's he's already been feeling the pressure. You know, the police have made the move. They've decided to go, you know, to the to the west side. They've gone and got this apartment. 
and then they've set the cops up in this situation where one of their neighbors has come to them at night and said look bob um i saw this man climbing up by my window and bob's just like what's that and he realizes james remar and this other police officer are watching them from this van and so he talks to the neighbor next door and sets up this whole elaborate plan that the cops will come and climb up the window to look into the house of the neighbor. And when he does, the neighbor will come out and shoot them because he thinks, Bob has told him it's peeping toms. <laughs> and you have this whole elaborate plan. And then when Gentry finally catches up with Bob after this whole situation, he's like, you better be gone. Because this cop, you know, he he got injured and he's wanting to really put the bullet in you. And even though Bob, like, Bob didn't feel like a proper bad guy. Like, he yeah, he was a dope fiend. He was a drug addict and he was stealing drugs. But he wasn't robbing people. He was stealing it from the pharmaceutical places. For him, it was like, he was like the fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> running in there, stealing all the cider and yeah, the Yeah, I mean, meat. It's, it's not like violent, you know, takeovers. It's not, yeah, ro not armed robberies hard. or anything like that. But still, it's still, I mean, yeah. But trying to kill this cop and then talking about the dogs. And yeah. that, he feels like he, they've got like a 30-day hex on them. And then they decide they're going to move out. Like they're going to go out to the country. Yeah. I do like that, that the film almost becomes a bit of a road trip. Yeah. Because, but he's also explained, like, he's robbed coast to coast drugstores across yeah, America. Yeah, yeah, And, you know, and, like, watching this film as well, I was just like, you know, I never even thought about that. Like, like pharmaceutical, you know, like, yeah, like uh, just being robbed. Yeah. Like, you hear convenience store robberies, gas station robberies, bank robberies. Anywhere but drug money, stores, man. you're just like, oh, yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. Yeah, man. Um... Yeah, and uh, and so I like the the idea that they 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 keep robbing these different drugstores. They've got them in these bags and they put them on different buses to yeah. get them ahead of where they're going to go, and so they they'll... can pick them up. But if the police are there, they've got drop offs. If the police see them on the motorway, they've got a hole in the car that they, they drop the pills through. through. I was like watching this that whole was... system in in place. Yeah, it's like these guys know what they're doing, and then they're not going to get caught unless somebody does something stupid. And uh, Heather Graham, you've done some stupid things so far in this film and you keep wanting more and more drugs. I'm getting a little bit worried. <laughs> yeah. A little bit worried. Well, that's it. She she ruins this one-store robbery. You know, it, it's Rick, it, it's Bob, and it's Nadine. They go there and he gives her this drawer and he says, look, stick it in the van. And she, you, you watch her run over it in ditzy heavy Heather Graham mode, which is wonderful to watch because she's such a wonderful actress that you... You know, Boogie Nights was just amazing. I loved her in Austin Powers too. Those hot pants. And just watching her on screen trying to get this drawer into the doorway and it not fixed. And then her throwing it on the floor and then throwing the drawer behind her and making a load of noise. They drive back and he's just so annoyed at her. But at the same time, you have this really pinnacle scene where he pulls out this little vial of drugs. Powder the loaded. That's what... Whole untouched one eighth ounce bottle of powder D. And he says, look, this shit is fucking super strong. This will kill you. This is going to keep us going for like a week. There should be another half bottle in there and they can't find it. And Nadine is cut out for that evening. You know, she's not having any drugs. But she says to them, like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to put a hat on the bed. And it's going to be okay. Okay. You're going to come back and it's going to be okay. And you know, as an audience member, you're like, you don't want to believe it. But Matt Dillon sold it to you that something bad's going to happen. So when they go to this hospital now, they've got this whole elaborate plan. 
and and do some donuts in the car outside make a distraction so all the security comes out and then bob can run in and 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 do his thing and it and it's all working so far you know he finds all the pills all the tablets he needs gets them ready the two orderlies come in yes he catch him and so he ends up having to run through the hospital trying to escape him up onto the roof running across and climbing back down again and uh, and you know we cut back to the other two are just waiting for him and they're like he's he's not coming because no. it's almost the next day yeah and he's still not arrived yet and uh, they end up driving back like on their own just, like wondering what they're gonna have to do yeah yeah and when they get back to their motel they walk in and obviously Nadine's been there on her own the whole night no one to look after her and well she had this little half vial of this fucking super drug and she's hit it and she's OD'd yeah. And it's it's a it's a shock. It's a Man, real shock, and obviously is. it's uh, it's also the way the characters respond to it. I mean, a, a Bob eventually also does turn up at the place as well, and he walks in, he's like, "Well, what's wrong with everybody?" Uh, oh, do you know what was also kind of strange for me after this was that it just seemed like Rick disappeared from the rest of the movie. He was there, it completely subdued. He, he then. was, yeah, he was gone. He, he died inside there yeah, too. Like he's just lost her, but. You know, from this point, it's like Bob dealing with the situation. They decide to hide Nadine's body up in this attic space where they've been hiding the drugs. And, you know, their plan was to obviously dispose of the body. But then the hotel manager comes and explains to them that they have to leave their room because there's a cop convention coming along. A sheriff's convention at this hotel and every single room will be taken up by police officers. And it's just like the irony, like you've got all these drugs, now you've got a dead body and you've got to leave today. Like, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they, they have a bit of a conversation about it, but he, you know, I mean, he handles it really well. He just puts her in a big bag, yep. walks right out, brazen in front of everyone, puts it in the car, puts the thing That's down it. and just walks off like, yep. That's it. He makes this scene. <laughs> but I, like, at the same time, like I said, I know Rick. Rick's not helping him. Rick's not mm. even in the situations. And then they're driving... Um, out to like the woods, the sticks somewhere, and they've they've already purchased this one truck. So Bob and Diana are in one truck. Rick's in the car, and he takes the body out and he buries it. And I just that's when I really started to notice like Rick was just you know the, the actor James Lagrosse was just not in the movie anymore because now the the camera is solely fixed on Bob, and he has they'd already had this conversation in the motel where Bob is just like, look, I want to get cleaned up, I I want to change my life around. This is getting too heavy now. And Diane completely just puts it out to him that she's just not doing that. She just, she doesn't want to get clean. She likes her lifestyle as a, a drug user. You know, she she loves that lifestyle and that's, that's it. she doesn't want to go try anything else. And so once he's buried the body, he gets in his truck and he drives off. And then he's on a bus and he's back to Portland. And he signs himself up into a, a, a rehab program. And it was a weird kind of take on the movie, but at the same time, I really loved Matt Dillon's portrayal of this because he's really trying. Yeah, because it's so easy to relapse. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's doing his best and he's trying to hold down a nine-to-five job and, you know, look after himself. And, and it is, again, another fantastic sequence in the film. Great scenes because they got in William S. Burroughs. Oh, man, yeah. This and... guy was fucking... Absolutely, like, <laughs> like some people call him like a, the the ex junkie, and I'm like, he's never been an ex junkie. No, no. Please. This guy is a a legend in in the drug world. Yeah, uh, I mean, but his his contributions to literature, to film, to art, 
you know, but then you go go. Well, he also did accidentally murder his wife. Yeah, like, and you just like you like it's all. He is a fascinating individual with some really insightful uh, wisdom. Yeah, but also at the same time, like a complete like drug addict, and he's but he's he is a, an amazing and fascinating individual, and having him in this film mm. really. Uh, was perfect. It was yeah. really, really perfect. Yeah. Um, and also, William Asperger's also said, like, I'm not going to be in this film unless I can write my own character's backstory and I write my own dialogue. Wow. And Gus wow. Van Sant's kind of just like, you know what? Like, do it. Do it. Because what you do is is pretty pretty amazing anyway. I, I, like, I had never really heard much of William S. Burroughs when he first came in. Uh, and so when I saw him in this, I obviously what I do, I hit Wikipedia and it just went pow in my face of all this shit. And I'm like, this will take me a day alone just to know who this guy is. Let's just shorten it down to what I see in the film. And there was this, when when Matt Dillon's Bob character meets him, you find out that he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a priest. William S. Burroughs is priest Tom. They knew each other when they were growing up. Um, the priest has always been into drugs. He still is into drugs. He's just not in the priesthood anymore. You know, he knew that Bob was going to be the way he is, and he's really surprised now that Bob is actually trying to change his ways. Which is, which is funny because where they are, where they are in this hotel, you know, it's a rundown, dingy place for people just trying to get back on their feet. But it's Saint Francis, so it's kind of holy, and he's got this priest, um, and there was this one shot where the two of them are walking across the street just chatting and I completely just fell out of the movie and my mind just went Matt Dillon walking with William S. Burroughs on the set of a film just kind of sharing experience you know that's like two opposite ends of fucking time there for these two guys playing these two characters and it, it it did really just give me hope for Bob's character to kind of try to continue. And he's going to all these uh, meetings and he's talking to other people who are, you know, explaining how they can't get out of bed some days without having whatever addiction it is that they have. And so you're just really supportive to him until like it was kind of weird that he, he did it for me. But it would play out later where he comes across David, the, the speed drug seller from the beginning of the movie, who they kind of bullied and kind of took the piss out. Like, like there was this great sequence where Matt Matt Dillon was gonna fuck him over with some money, and it was Nadine who pointed it out. And Bob's just like, "I fucking hate you, Nadine," you know. <laughs> but now he's here. Nadine's dead, um, and he's he, David is trying to beat up this kid for money, and Bob grabs him and just like, "What the fuck are you doing? Get out of here!" And David hates it. Now David's the big guy. Bob fucked yeah, off. Right? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Now, there's also a couple of sequences here I did quite like, because, like, James Remar was really good in oh, this film. Oh, yes. Uh, in, in the scenes that he has. And, you know, we had the sequence where he, you know, he, he chased Bob off, you know, beat him up because of what happened before. Yeah. But, um, he you know, he's keeping tabs on Bob now yeah. that Bob's back home. And I love that sequence where it's just, like, Bob walks past the restaurant window and, you know, Officer Gentry's just sat there, looks up and sees him going about his, his routine. I'm like... Yeah. And then there's the moment where he really, he comes to see him at his house and he's just like, I, I know you're working this job. Yeah. I know you're at the, you know, the methadone clinic and you're, you're getting cleaned up. And yeah. I really, really honestly, sincerely hope you, you know, clean yourself up and, and get on with your life. And I was like, yeah, yeah. that was really good because like, you know, you we've had, you know, protagonist, antagonist, and they've kind of got like a neutral ground here. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that was really, really nice sequence and just really well handled by, by James Remar as well. Yeah. I kind of, like I said, I went out of my head at this point again and kind of imagined that 
Ajax who got arrested in the in, in New York City, you know, did his prison time, came out, got a job as a policeman, and went and started helping <laughs> Matt Dillon get off drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I hope you make out on that job of yours. I sincerely hope that you straighten up a little bit. Um, and then and then you get this really great moment where um like these pair of boots gal the car and you recognize them to be diane's and she walks up to the hotel and she goes in and sees bob and she even has like a bag of drugs for them this is how much love and respect these people still had that she brings a bag of drugs to bob and says look you know this is from me and rick you know i'm i'm with rick now i'm part of rick's crew you know and you're just it's really kind of sad but at the same time it's realistic it's the way i've i felt that the way life is that it bob, is, yeah. you know bob explains to, to diane like look i prayed to god that day we found nadine's body and I asked him to get me out of the whole situation with the cops and the body and help me deal with it and i would if i if, if he helped me do that i would be eternally grateful and so here i am i don't break a promise and i was like man that's really good you know diane at any point could easily just turn around and say like i'm i'm gonna Join you and you. do the same. Yeah, I'm gonna do you, but she doesn't want to. She yeah, it's that 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 long walk down the corridor. She leaves. Yeah, like is she gonna go? You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna turn my life around as well. Or they'd had no, that... I'm gonna keep going. Or are you they'd gonna come join kiss. me with the drugs? Yeah, that's it. They had that kiss, and I'm just like, right, is she gonna stay? Is he gonna go? Like I really thought he was gonna give up just, his shit. Like yeah. let me get my jacket. You yeah. know, I'll be with you. Um, and he, he doesn't. He stays, and she yeah, goes. Yeah. yeah, and he takes the drugs to priest Tom. You know, he gives it to William S. Burroughs. And William S. Burroughs is looking at us. Oh, I don't like that stuff. That shit. But this, ooh, yeah, this, 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 you're going to be eternally grateful for, my son. You know? I remember when they gave us morphine in prisons. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, wow. You know, he walks back to his apartment and there's two masked men in there. And they are robbing him because they want the drugs. And it turns out it's David from the beginning of the movie. And I thought that was a great twist i've seen it a couple of times in a couple of later movies like i'm pretty sure in layer cake with daniel craig you know he had a crew member who was kind of weak and he turns up at the end spoilers and and puts him in kind of like a difficult situation like this you see it a lot of times and seeing it here it kind of still felt fresh hmm. like really well done you know matt Dillon is doing his best to be a good guy he hasn't got any drugs it's with the priest he's not lying you know david is now the desperate drug dealer and they beat the shit out of him they shot him i was really surprised by that because he was still kind of moving and thinking shit i thought he was probably dead but he can't be dead we saw the beginning of the movie yeah so he's now just injured and he takes him down they take him down to the uh, ambulance and gentry's just like tell me tell me who are you was it nadine who is it who's the he's like the hat the tv baby it's like oh he on drugs this motherfucker is fucked up you know and the, the irony was that he was that's what he was saying in the van as, as the movie was ending. The irony was the police were now going to give him an escort. Yeah, the, the police were taking him to the, the like the Fort Knox, the, the, the holy grail of yeah. drugs. They're and taking they were, him to all the drugs. They were going to fill him now with all the drugs. To, the, to the, we'll keep him alive. Yeah. The drugs will keep him alive. And it's just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just, I mean, like, yeah, he didn't die in the, on the ambulance. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I do believe he, he probably survived. But yeah, what we yeah. know after that, I, we don't know. Like, did he 
get off the drugs and he hook up with the guy. I'd imagine so. I'd imagine so. Yeah, I'd but, be hopeful for. But I just love that because <laughs> thinking at the beginning of the movie where we were coming from, you know, you don't really know he's in an ambulance at the beginning. But then... Yeah, it looks like he's in bed yeah. until it pans out and you realise, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Ian, what were your favourite scenes from the film? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I'd say a lot of the movie really was like one big, long favourite scenes, but most memorable scenes. I like one sequence with the neighbour, uh, the setup where he gets the cops involved. Once the guy blasts the shotgun, it cuts to Matt Dillon's face kind of zoomed in and him laughing and everybody it's having fun. It's the fact fun. that everyone's like watching and they're all like up to the window, like curtains yeah. drawn, like what's going on out there? It was just, it was just crazy <laughs> to see that face. Like the whole uh, dog sequence as well. You know, like Gary said, when he started turning the TV over and every channel was dog, <laughs> I was crying inside. I thought that was brilliant. And then the, the whole hat on the bed, like... You know, those are sequences that play over a couple of times, but it really left me with an uneasy feeling when Heather Graham went, and it landed on the bed. I was like, burn the room down. Yeah. Fucking destroy it. <laughs> Whatever she's just done is just put the heck. Because I fully believed Matt Dillon's explanation. And his, like I said, his, his character, his acting was just so good. There was one sequence where he's talking to the lady at the rehab clinic. Yeah, yeah. And she's asking him all these questions. And she says to him, like, look, I don't mean to upset you, but we've got to do this. It's paperwork. It's government stuff. And he's like, yeah, I get that. But you have to understand that people I know wouldn't come here, you know, and do this. You know, I am legitimately trying to do something. So just kind of cut me a slack, cut me some slack. And then just nice watching him as the drug addict in the first half and then watching him come off it in the second half. It was, oh, it was yeah, brilliant. I've got to say, these are some of the prettiest drug addicts thing I've ever seen, <laughs> ever. I don't know, you and McGregor. I'd say it's the only thing about the film really that doesn't quite work is how pretty all of these people are. <laughs> but you know, you're right. There, there are some really great, memorable scenes in the film. The whole film is really very memorable. Uh, the standout scene for me was that whole the 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 the, the flashback sequence to to Panda the dog, yeah, dobbing yeah. him into the police. Yeah. I thought that that was just great. I mean. There's nice little bits of comedy in the film, but there's also some like or some weird like psychedelic type stuff. I yes. mean, it's not it's not like kaleidoscope wild. It's like it's just like when when Bob's off on drugs and we've got like these silhouette animal things flying past his face, floating. hats, and he's talking about ants, you know. And it's just like there's lots of little moments like that that you you, you listen to his inner monologues and you just go along with the ride. Yeah, you know? it has that subdued almost morose effect on you as you're watching it um and so scenes like that just draw you into the film more and more um unless of course you're already bored by that point and then you're already out of the ex film experience so yeah it's fine uh there's some really great dialogue uh in the film i think one of my favorite lines was i'm not trading no uptown crank for no downtown trash <laughs> when he's talking to david i'm just like it's just like they got like the it felt like the streetwise you know talky you know uh, behavior of the characters felt yeah. real. It, it felt very real. Uh, and of course, I also love the line when they've just robbed the drugstore and they get back to the house and they get out of the car and he says, everybody act cool. Like we just got back from church. It's like, uh, that's great. Really, really, really good. <laughs> well, Ian, do you recommend Drugstore Cowboy? I totally recommend this movie and I would easily recommend a hell of a lot of Gus Van Sant movies. You know, if you've never heard of him um, and never watched any of his films, just pick one off the shelf <laughs> see what I did there um, and just 
you know, you're you're in for a great time. You know, if you start with Drugstore Cowboy, maybe you've never seen a Matt Dillon movie, you know, um, and you're wondering where Heather Graham kind of started off in acting. This movie is great. It's it's funny that I was watching this and I was just like, man, everybody screams about how good Trainspotting is. And Trainspotting is really, really good. But Drugstore Cowboy, I think, just peaks Trainspotting for me because of maybe... You know, the fact that it was done in 89 and it's set in 71 and it's Gus Van Sant who's, doing, you know, guerrilla filmmaker and just doing things on a whim. Just even some of his city shots, some of the countryside shots, they were just so good that when it cut to the back to the actors, I was I was happy. I was just, yes, watch it. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah uh, without a doubt this is very easily uh, a high recommendation from me this is a must watch Gus Van Sant really delivers an authentic feeling story and characters with a realistic script depicting addiction and abuse in a non-glamorous way and yet still make you care and invest into these characters and the world it has a very documentary feel in terms of the cinematography the framing the editing the style of the film is very un-Hollywood, you know, and for 1989, I'd imagine a rather controversial movie. The actors here are all perfectly cast. Matt Dillon, probably in his best performance here, he is fantastic. Great supporting cast, brilliant chemistry in the acting, you know, the sense of friendship and the, the shared addiction in history and the bond that they share, it felt very real. This is a high quality drama, near true to life, and it can feel like pretty morose and dark and challenging viewing at times but it's a film that will stick with you after the credits roll and it will call you back for another viewing thanks for watching off the shelf reviews The hat shot, you right, Bob? No. The TV baby shot.